0: This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson, bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis.
1: The revolution has lost, and we must help bury it. Genesis three fourteen through 15 And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because thou hast done this thing, thou art cursed among all cattle and all the beasts of the earth. Upon thy breast shalt thou go, and the earth shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and thy seed and her seed. She shall crush thy head, and thou shalt lie in wait for her heel. Anyone who reads this passage knows that Satan, the first revolutionary, has already lost. However, through the actions of his followers, both knowingly and unknowingly, his revolution goes on, not because Satan still stands any chance of prevailing, but because his temptations provide opportunities for humans to exercise their free will. We can choose God, or we can join Satan's revolution. In our world, that revolution appears to be formidable. It controls the entertainment and news media, much of the education system, many aspects of government, and even substantial parts of the church. However, that apparent strength is an illusion. One of Eve's descendants, the Blessed Virgin Mary, already defeated him through her ascent to bear the God-man, our Lord Jesus Christ. In 1917, Our Lady herself explained to three children in Fatima, Portugal, that her immaculate heart would indeed triumph. In a recent talk given to TFP members and supporters, Prince Bertrand of Orléans-Braganza described the implications of Mary's victory. Prince Bertrand is the head of the Imperial House of Brazil and a direct descendant of King St. Louis IX of France. Excerpts from his speech were published on www.tfp.org under the title, Prince Bertrand Calls for a Return to Order Under Our Lady the Queen.
0: In his philosophical self-portrait, Professor Plinio Correa de Oliveira shows how religious and philosophical doctrines shape the direction of history because everyone is endowed with a rational and free soul. We act according to our conceptions about the universe, ourselves, and life. Thus, religious and philosophical doctrines are the most dynamic factors which produce great transformations. Professor Correa de Oliveira's insights based on religion explain why his life of study, action, and prayer was so effective. In his book, Revolution and Counter-Revolution, he explained and foresaw the revolution we now face. It is a universal crisis that aims to destroy the final remnants of Christian civilization. He called us to the counter-revolution. And thanks to his certainty of victory, we dare continue the fight for the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, as Our Lady foresaw at Fatima. In our fast-changing yet decadent world, the revolution has failed to deliver what it promises. It promised great prosperity, glowing health, and endless pleasures. Those times are fading into the past. It is now offering recession, war, epidemics, Satanism, and frustration. The Societies for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP, are not the only ones saying this. Revolutionaries, who once presented the world as a great cruise ship, are now selling many of those ships for scrap. More and more people are mugged by the reality of our crisis. They are complaining and suffering from the effects of their frenetic intemperance. Thus, we can say that the revolution has failed. When I say that the revolution has failed, I am not saying that the counter-revolution has already triumphed. The revolution still controls everything. Governments, institutions, the culture, and, even more unfortunately, the church's structures. We all know and sense this reality, as the revolution still controls things around us and persecutes us. Yet, the revolution has failed, because it has not captured the hearts and souls of everyone, which is the most important thing. Revolutionary activists have lost the enthusiasm and fire that existed in the past. As a result, our institutions are falling apart, things are polarizing, and nothing makes sense. Dr. Plinio said that when the revolution loses its dynamism, it is at its most vulnerable point. Like a bicycle that needs a minimum amount of speed to stay up, the revolution cannot afford to stop or slow down. One reason the revolution is in trouble is because the counter-revolution has slowed down the revolution and deprived it of its dynamism. When this happens, things can come crashing down. We have seen excellent reactions in the culture wars, culminating this year with the dramatic overturning of Roe v.ersus Wade. People are reacting in all sorts of ways, often out of desperation and lacking counter-revolutionary orientation. As a result, incomplete and false proposals by those who misunderstand the fight and do not always address the cause of our crisis. Their false solutions will always frustrate because they do not take things to their final consequences. Thus, we are left in a terrible and desperate situation with three principal elements. First, a faltering revolution is still in control but losing its dynamism. Second, a growing and courageous conservative reaction that often lacks a clear notion of where to go. And third, a tiny but growing remnant of counter-revolutionaries determined to resist and fight to the very end until Our Lady's triumph. We must seek to be among this final group. That is who we are. We are those who resist against all odds. We are those who face an impossible situation with courage, calm, and confidence. Impossible situations like ours are not rare in the history of the Church. As Dr. Plinio says in Revolution and Counter-Revolution, the Church can proudly say, paraphrasing Cicero to the tempestuous world, I have already seen many winds. I have weathered many storms. For the Church, impossible situations are nothing. She has overcome all. She finds solutions from the treasury of her teachings. She attracts heroes and saints who love the excellent and sublime. She returns everything to order. Impossible situations call for extraordinary solutions. From Dr. Plinio's insights, we must conclude that we can't act in normal ways. We need to think in extraordinary terms. When the situation seems desperate, we know it is the hour of providence to act. God reduces everything to nothing, so that it becomes clear that he is the author of the victory. What does a return to order propose for this desperate world? It proposes nothing less than Christendom in all its splendor and glory. We want to see the church restored to her rightful place. We want to see Our Lady enthroned as Queen we should not be discouraged by the difficulties. Instead, we should be joyful that we are chosen as representative characters to participate in this fight for so great a cause and so magnificent a queen. Above all, we can count on the angels to level the playing field and allow us to oppose whatever the revolution can throw against us. What we have accomplished until now is against all expectations. With the help of Our Lady, we will do much, much more. Let us remember three things that will help us continue our peaceful and legal battle for a Christian civilization. First, Never forget that we face a failed revolution that has not succeeded in winning the hearts and souls of the people. We must never cease to fight against it. Secondly, remember that reactions have arisen that manifest themselves in many ways. It is an important reaction that needs direction and a cause. It needs a queen to serve. Finally, we must be the link to help enlist those who react so that they may serve this cause and queen. History depends on the role that each of us assumes. They say in France that we either make history or suffer it. Either we engage in the battle or suffer the consequences in this life and the next. Let us follow the example of Dr. Plinio Correa de Oliveira, who, in the face of the all-powerful revolution, always turned to Our Lady with great confidence. She can overcome all enemies. She can turn the most desperate situations into victory. She will turn our present chaos into the triumph of her Immaculate Heart, as promised at Fatima.
1: In our world, there are harbingers of the revolution's coming defeat. One is the fact that so-called Catholic politicians in the United States and other places encounter so much resistance as they try to impose leftist programs on the population. One of those politicians is Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. As a result of recent elections, she lost the speakership and has decided to resign from her party's leadership. Mr. John Horvat considers the implications of Mrs. Pelosi's loss of power in his essay, A Farewell to Nancy Pelosi.
0: After the elections, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced her exit from any leadership position in a dramatic November 17th farewell. The effect of this announcement is limited. Until the lame duck Congress adjourns, she will still be heading the charge to do as much damage as possible to the conservative cause. She will also continue to promote the leftist agenda when she returns to Congress as an ordinary Congresswoman representing San Francisco. However, an era is over. The 82-year-old Congresswoman spent 20 long years in House Party leadership positions. of these as speaker. This assessment of Nancy is not a personal attack. It focuses on the immense harm she inflicted on our country's moral values. It recalls her outspoken support for critical race theory, LGBTQ plus ideology, procured abortion, feminism, and other causes. The first sentiment one feels is legitimate joy and relief. She will no longer promote every leftist cause from her high office. She will not be the supposedly Catholic celebrity that scoffs at church teaching and doctrine. It will take time to find a replacement with her stature and experience. The pro-life movement should especially rejoice with the change. The iron fisted speaker and mother of six who promoted procured abortion at all phases of pregnancy with a fanatic zeal. Moreover, she wielded her power over all House Democrats to toe the party line. Under her regime, the blue dog Democrat became extinct, and the party became one immense block in favor of the continued slaughter of innocents. Catholics should also rejoice. It is an act of charity to desire that someone no longer practice evil. It was afflictive to see Nancy describe herself as a practicing Catholic, yet cause massive scandal by leading the charge to promote legislation contrary to what the Church teaches. It was demoralizing to see the Church officials refuse to discipline her for her evil actions. With her departure from leadership, this damage will be diminished, although not eliminated. Her passion for big government and spending also did not endear her to fiscal conservatives who joined the celebration. Ignoring the economic fallout, she rammed through Congress massive spending bills laden with pork, fueling inflation, while nominally addressing infrastructure COVID relief, and healthcare issues, bringing the national debt to astronomical levels under her gavel. Her brazen manner of wielding power in theatrics reflected America's much lamented lack of civility. Again, this is not a personal attack, but a commentary on her governing style. Who does not remember the disrespect shown on February 4th, 2020, when she ripped up the text of President Trump's State of the Union speech while standing behind him? Such antics are not models, since everyone should respect authority regardless of whether one agrees with the office holder. Many will remember her commentaries during the BLM riots that summer, seeming to encourage the violence and not support the police. Her confrontational attitude favored the theatrical, the soundbite, and the condescending. She disparaged the culture war, yet always threw her weight on the side of those attacking traditional morals. Her in-your-face ways showed no sympathy or sentimentality For those at odds with her agenda, had it been aimed in the right direction, her determination would have been admirable. She defined goals and showed the strength of will to pursue them. She was not afraid of controversy and knew how to confront opposition, even within her party. She planned for the long term with persistence and vision. However, of what use are such qualities when employed to further leftist causes? Her determination became the scourge of the pro-life and pro-family movements that fought hard to defend morality. Her tenacity came to represent a stubborn will to destroy healthy reactions and traditions. Would that there were those on the right with the resolve to defend everything she so doggedly helped to destroy. Any political movement needs symbolic figures to energize its grassroots. Mrs. Pelosi had the unique ability to symbolize her party's platform at a glance. She was a Jacobin figure that personified the left and galvanized the right. The radical force of her presence defined the political spectrum and pulled everyone leftward. Some might draw comfort that her long mandate hints at a dearth of such figures of the left. As she leaves leadership, few Democrats under 60 have the force of personality to play this vital role. Farewell, Nancy Pelosi. Those on the other side of your political, cultural, and religious spectrum will not lament your departure. It is true that they greatly desire your conversion and pray for this. They regret the scandal you caused, but make no personal attack. Instead, they, and millions of innocent, unborn Americans who never saw the light of day, bear witness before the throne of God All that you have done against him and his divine law.
1: Another way to see the left's decline is in their desperation. Their state of mind plays out in small groups that perform ridiculous acts that cannot possibly advance their causes. One such group calls itself Animal Rebellion. They are radical vegetarians who recoil in horror at the use of any animals and animal byproducts like milk for human nourishment. Mr. Edward Benson describes their futile actions in his essay, Animal Rebellions' Echo Warriors Want Everyone to Cry Over Spilled Milk. Don't cry over spilled milk.
0: Mothers worldwide have long given this advice to their children. The lesson is simple. When people make mistakes, the most desirable course is to clean up as best they can and then move on with their lives. Excessive sorrow, endless contemplation, and overly profuse apologies solve nothing. However, a radical English movement, Animal Rebellion, makes it a point to cry over spilt milk. Its activists pour milk on supermarket floors and over food products to express their outrage over so-called anthropogenic climate change. These acts of political theater are done in high-end supermarket chains where milk is sold. They aim to stop milk consumption that they claim causes climate change. Activists rejoice in the mayhem that they cause. Their website reports on the success of a 100,000-pound, roughly $112,000 U.S., attack on a London location of high-end grocer Fortnum & Mason. Police charged two supporters with criminal damage and theft. The revolutionaries also brought their escapades to Harrods and Selfridges in London and stores in Norwich, Manchester, and Edinburgh. Videos of these incidents have gone viral. Animal Rebellion does not limit its activities to spilling milk in retail marketplaces. These eco-terrorists claim to have disrupted seven dairy distribution facilities every day for four months. The disturbances included destroying truck tires, occupying feed silos, and stopping milk deliveries by climbing on top of the trucks. The organization also took credit for shortages. Empty milk shelves in London, it boasted. Animal rebellion has stopped the supply of dairy, They call their mischief nonviolent direct action. They need to check their dictionaries. Nonviolent doesn't mean what they think it means. The Cambridge Dictionary defines nonviolent as, quote, not involving fighting or the use of physical force, The activists do not strike or shoot anyone, but they are violence. The same dictionary defines that as using force to hurt or attack. These milk-spilling incidents are attacking and hurting people. They destroy private property and ruin other nearby products. Other people, mostly low-paid store employees, must clean up the mess. Those who cannot afford more expensive almond or soy-based milk substitutes have to do without this essential food product. The same people will suffer the most if producers need to raise prices to cover the enormous costs of the damage and disruption. Films of the events show young adults presumably in their 20s, standing in the stores with grim looks on their faces as they pour milk onto the floor. In most of these films, workers in the stores stand by silently. One of their members stated the rationale, quote, A plant-based future is the key solution to climate and ecological emergencies. Moreover, It would enable us to produce more food for more people with far less land and fewer resources. It would also reduce the suffering of billions of animals while restoring habitats to our beautiful wildlife, Of course, their solution is to increase the power and cost of government. The state, they say, must, quote, support farmers in the urgent transition to a plant-based food system and allow the freed-up land to be rewilded in order to restore wildlife populations, These acts display the intolerance of those who preen their psyches with myths of their own tolerance. They clearly think they are doing something great. A recent article in Commentary, you are what you don't eat, summed up the attitude of these eco-warriors. Quote, These episodes and others like them are revealing of some shared principles on the activist left, a level of judiciousness sufficient to establish boundaries for oneself and others. Unquote. Once again, the left insists that it knows more than its detractors. To cap it off, Even if the animal rebellion folks got their way, it won't make any real difference for the environment. It will, however, significantly alter everyone's daily lives. The commentary article continues... A Virginia Tech study published in early 2021 determined that the sudden disappearance of all dairy cattle from the United States would reduce greenhouse gas emissions by a staggeringly small 0.7%, all the while dramatically reducing the available supply of essential nutrients for human beings." Despite their ability to grab headlines by committing senseless acts in public, Animal Rebellion and its kindred are pitifully small groups. However, throughout history, such groups have served a purpose. Catholic thinker and man of action Plinio Correa de Oliveira notes that, quote, The explosion of these extremists raises a standard and creates a fixed target. Whose very radicalism fascinates the moderates who slowly advance toward it. The anti milk extremists have friends in governments, academia, and business that sympathize with the green agenda. Moderates feel fear while silently sympathizing with green activism. The media do everything possible to present the ecologist narrative in a positive light. It is the role of those who defend order to expose the errors of the anti-milk extremists for what it is, crass vandalism and eco-terrorism. The God-given goods of the earth exist to serve humanity, which has every right to use and develop them. The delights of milk, butter, and cheese must be defended against the eco-less hatred of civilization. Indeed, the sinister standard of the eco-activists is merely a smoke screen to cover up their real purpose, the destruction of what remains of Christian civilization.
1: This concludes The Revolution Has Lost and We Must Help Bury It. Thank you for listening. Return to Order, of which this podcast is only a part, strives to be a source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please remember that we publish a new episode every week as Tuesday becomes Wednesday at midnight. There are two ways to make sure that you don't miss future episodes. The first way is to subscribe through your favorite podcast provider. Another is to go to our website, www.returntoorder.org, and click on the podcast link at the top of the page, which will take you to a list with the most recent podcast on top. We ask subscribers to give us a five-star rating with the service through which they are listening to it. Increased subscriptions and high ratings mean that more people will be directed to the Return to Order moment when searching for new podcasts. So by rating us, you can help Return to Order be more effective. In addition, subscribers gain access to all the previous episodes of the Return to Order moment. We would also like to recommend the book, which spells out the motivations behind our work. Mr. John Horvat's book, Return to Order, is available as a free download through our website www.returntoorder.org, or in printed and recorded form through our bookstore. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2022 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP.